But anyway, here's some things God put in my heart. Number one, in this hour, avoid reacting. But do not fail to act on what God has spoken. Let me read that again. Avoid reacting. Don't react to what the devil is doing. Act on what God said he is doing. Does that make sense? That's the highest standard. Remember, here's the example. Eve, God had already said, Now, Eve, if you eat of the tree in the midst of the garden... You're going to die. So the devil shows up. Well, I don't know if she fully understood, but this serpent, if a serpent, if a snake showed up in my tree speaking to me, I would think something's wrong. Something's out of place. And, but anyway, God didn't, did God say? Yes, God said. And then she reacted to what the serpent told her rather than acting on what God had already said in his word. We don't form our doctrines as we go. They're already set. Read the Word. Here is the doctrine. And we're going to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. That's your job too. We have an evolving faith. No, we don't. It's just like those guys that say we have this, what do they call the Constitution? A living document. It's not living. It's set in stone. The Word of God is set in stone. It's us that's changing and evolving, but God's Word remains the same. Are you guys with me? You're not going to throw me out yet. I'm going to hurry. I've got to share these few. Look over in Isaiah real quick. This has got to be one of your mottos for this year. Because will, people will come to you and they'll, they'll tell you something. And Anyway, here's, here's the key. Verse 20, Isaiah 8, to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. And so we're going to stick with the word. Number two, this is going to be a year of decisive action. But the, the action may lead to some necessary division. Did you hear me? Decisive action. But it may lead to some necessary division. Give you an example. The United Methodist Church, I saw there's going to be two segments now. One segment's going to go the LGBTQ way, and another's going to go God's way. It's a necessary division. And uh, so we're going to, I think the Lord's demanding that we decide who we're going to serve. And this day, in this year, in 2020, people are going to have to decide which way they're going. It reminds me of the first, and I've told you this, but I still have it. I don't know how I kept up with it. The first message I ever preached, it was that out of the text, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. I need to dig that out and preach it again. Because I still got the little bitty, you know, in the old days, I would write my messages on toilet tissue, whatever I had. I mean, I just... I did whatever I could find, I'd write, write it down. And I've got some little bitty pieces of paper. They're a little brown. <laughs> no, that was not. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait, let me back up. <laughs> that was not toilet tissue. It was a piece of paper. Well, thank you, Lord. We get to laugh. Okay. 
That's another thing. You better keep your laughing this year. There's enough thing to be crying about. We ain't going to cry. I ain't crying. I'm not going to get in the devil's parties. You know, every morning, every Monday, you're going to have to make a choice. Either I'm going to get in the doomsday, uh, woe is me, or I'm going to be, wow, our God is great. One or the other, woe or wow. Okay, number three, return to first things if you want to be promoted. What are you talking about? First love. Seek first the kingdom. First fruits. First and great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. And then remember, he said, first go and show yourself. There's some things that you have to do that are just because they're written. And then in Revelation chapter 2, and we'll get into it another time, he says, remember from where you have fallen and do the first works. So we have to get into this into more detail later. But first things, priority. Either he's first, he's not going to be in the scale. He's either Lord or he's not. Does that make sense? He's not going to share in your, you know, your list of lords. You're going to have to boot some of them out in this year. Now, I don't know how this fits with what I just said, but the spirit of Cain is going to rise up in 2020. Cain offered the, the fruit of the ground, right? Abel offered the first of the flock. Remember, God rejected Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's offering. It made him so upset, Cain went and murdered his brother. But then Cain was cursed. The spirit of Cain will try to do things their own way. They're going to try to hang on to their own ministry, their own way of doing things. God's going to raise up a remnant, looks like according to uh, that vision. There's going to be millions involved in this. But they're going to do things God's way. Some from the old order are going to rise up and murder those of the new, from the new order. But what they do will no longer be blessed. Anyway, I'm just pouring it out. Number four, it's the year of the threefold cord. A threefold cord is not easily broken. What are the threefold cord? I know Father, Son, Holy Spirit, things like that. But also pray in the Spirit. Pray a lot in the Spirit this year. If you've never prayed in the Spirit, today come and you go in that. I'm telling you, we're going to make one of the things the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're going to come out of the water praying. and You're going to have to pray in the Spirit this year a whole bunch. And uh, don't let up. You can pray in the Spirit while you're driving, while you're doing stuff. Just, you know, just walk around praying in the Spirit. People will think you've lost your mind. You're in good company. So prayer, the supply of the Spirit. We are leaky vessels. Every day we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Every year, every day. And then the Word. I heard somebody said this is the year of the Bible. What was that group? I don't remember, Shirley. But some group has designated this the year of the Bible. Well, we agree. We jump in there. It's the year of the Bible. The year of the Word. Read the Word. Read the Word. If you hadn't started yet, get, make it a New Year resolution, and you'll probably break it. But anyway, just read the Word. Read the Word. Memorize the Word. Study the Word. Talk about the Word to people instead of talking about the latest. 
You know, what's the latest? I know the latest. I just read this morning. His glory is going to cover the earth just like the water covers the sea. So what we saw a few weeks ago when the water started flowing out of that baptismal, it ain't nothing compared to the glory that is about to be poured out over the earth. And then another thing. It's the year of the reset. These are the things that God put in my heart. I'm just throwing them out. We got to reset the foundation. Things that matter. People don't know anymore what's right and wrong. Because the church quit telling them. They were afraid. We're not going to be afraid. Marriage is marriage. We're going we're to talk about it. God's idea. You know, and faith and, and all these things. What did I see? Capital Ministries. They're the ones that do the White House Bible study. Every Wednesday in the White House is a Bible study. And uh, this was it one in December. One of them was called Duke. Does one need to be saved to go to heaven? That was the Bible study in the White House. And there are many people that attend. Now, why would he be so simple? Because a lot of people don't even know that anymore. You must be born again. You don't just get into this by osmosis. Well, my dad and my mom went to church in the good old by and by. No, you had an encounter with Jesus. You repented of your sin. Anyway, we got to go there. But in that story, um, that guy evidently was with James Dobson when one of my heroes growing up, Pete Maravich, died of a heart attack. He was playing basketball. James Dobson, this guy that's the head of that ministry, and Pete Maravich. And they said, I didn't know this, but they tried to resuscitate Pete for 30 minutes until, they, you know, the first responders came. But... But they couldn't really. Pete died the moment he hit the court. What was Pete Maravich? 40s? In his 40s? 40 years old? Something like that. But it's just a reminder of how fragile life is and how we're all on borrowed time. I remember in school somebody said, you should preach as if you're a dying man to dying men and women. Because those people you're preaching to are going to die, but guess what? So will you. And so you need to keep that in mind. You know, there's the finality. And then we gotta do we gotta be desperate in that and, and go after the lost is what we're basically saying. You guys with me? How many of you set a soul goal about what was it about six weeks ago? How many set one? I did. I haven't got it yet. So I repent, but I'm gonna renew my commitment to go after what I set. Maybe I set it too high. I would rather set it too high than too low. So let's go after souls. What, what better thing do we have to do? You could have a party and everyone around you go to hell or you could spend your life seeing that everybody around you goes to heaven and they'll have a party for all of eternity. In fact, there are parties in heaven when we lead people to Jesus. Second, thirdly, sixthly, I don't know what it is. I think it's six. Fresh vision, His vision, the goal is his, his vision. But here's what I felt. God said, when my vision really comes, it will cause division. Because some people will not be willing to give up their own vision. I'm just telling you that's what I heard. Number seven, fresh surrender. We need to, to be sealed. In this day, God is going to seal his servants on their foreheads. It's going to happen. I remember when Bob Jones used to always pray for people and he'd seal them. How many of you, were you a part of some of those prayers? 
And maybe, I don't think he was premature. I just think it's a picture of what God's doing. He's sealing his servants. You're either going to be marked for God or you're going to, you're going to walk out or carry the mark of the beast. I don't know how all and the timing of all that, but I'm going to be marked for God and I'm not even going to worry about the mark of the beast because I'm going to be marked for God. Does that make sense? And you guys are too. And then the hand of God will be known to his servants. But the hand of God is going to be felt by his enemies. Does that make sense? The hand of... That's a scripture. Isaiah 66, 14. You can read it later. But it says the hand of God will be made known to his servants. We're going to see what God is doing. But the hand of God is going to be felt by the wicked both in and out of the church. Last Sunday, I, um, I got to preach at Silent Grove where it all started for me and Shirley. You know, I went back to West Virginia. And I don't, it's different, but they had, I don't know, I just reminiscing and everything. I went to our old house when we first, when we first got married. It's not even there anymore. A flood took it away. A flood. I said, well, that's prophetic. We want another flood, Lord. But anyway, I, and I was sharing this. I remember the night I went up. You could not find that church, I promise you. I, you ain't going to find Silent Grove Church in Philippi, West Virginia. You'd look, for, well, maybe that today, because everything is on Google. They know where everything is. They know where we are. They're following our every step. But I ain't worried about that. The eyes of God are on me. And I trust more in that. But anyway, I remember the night I got up to that church and I'm, you know, praying. And I saw a vision of the hand of God like coming down to the earth. I asked God, I remember, I said, God, what are you going to be doing? This must have been around 1989, going into the 90s. I go way back there. How I many of you go way back there? I remember those days. And I said, God, what are you going to be doing? And I saw a vision of the hand of God. Well, that's been a few decades ago, but I'm telling you, the hand of God is still coming. The hand of, people are going to know the hand of God. Do you know it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? A fearful thing. Anyway, let me just insert, hey, Don, you're going to have plenty of time, okay? And I want you to take your liberty. But you know that scripture, this is like a, strategy for the year 2020 for America. Psalm 2, remember the scripture? All the nations are raging. The people are plotting vain things. You remember what God is doing? What is he doing? He's laughing. However, you need to know the rest of the story. He does not laugh continually. Right after that, he says, and he shall hold them in derision he says, he that sits in the heavens will laugh. And then it says, he will, then he will speak to them in his wrath. In other words, there comes a time when it's no longer a laughing matter. God's not always going to laugh. He doesn't wink at our sin. There comes a time when he says, okay, enough's enough. And that's what that scripture says. And that's at the very time we're to take that scripture up on the wall literally, and run with it like we've never known before. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. Because the time is short. Run after the harvest. Anyway, this is an exciting time. I'm really... All right, Zechariah. Turn with me, chapter 4. Everybody, does this make any sense? 
Because people wonder, you know, are you hearing from God? Wait a minute. Last time I checked, I'm his sheep. How many of you are his sheep? You're hearing from God. How do I know? Because Jesus said so. My sheep hear my voice. And another voice they will not follow. That's one of those you want to pray over your children. Lord, I thank you, my son, my daughter, my granddaughter. I have a granddaughter now, so I can expand that prayer. You know, they hear your or they will hear your voice. And another voice they will not follow. All right, Zechariah chapter 4. This is a scripture for the year 2020. I may have just barely touched on it, but this is what we have to have. In verse 6, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. This is a word of the Lord to you, saints in America in 2020. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. How many of you say that's a good scripture? There are four things I saw, and I've shared with you. To me, I don't care. You could give me a million bucks. To me, the greatest treasure is when the word of God comes alive to me. And the scriptures just, you know, they leap out out of the black and white and they leap into my heart. To me, that is a treasure. No one, it's, you can't, I don't care, you'll never compare to that. So I saw four things. Here's what's going to happen this year by the Spirit. Verse 9, it says, And I will remember the inequity of, of that land in one day. God's going to visit America. He's going to wipe somehow. God is going to deal with the wicked and the rebellion. And he's, I'm telling you, can a nation be saved in a day? It only can by the Spirit. It ain't going to happen through our latest religious formula. It ain't going to happen. We can have the best church going. It's by the Spirit of the living God, and that's our prayer. So that's number one. The nation, America, can be changed. Don't give up. Don't give up. I know it looks bad sometimes, especially if you listen to the wrong sources. This should be your source. I will remove the inequity of that land in one day. I don't know how you do that, God. You must be a big God. Anyway, something else. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. Here's the second thing God showed me. By the Spirit of God will come the great awakening that's been prophesied. It's by the Spirit. I can preach till I'm blue in the face. We can do whatever. We, we can jump up. We can change. We do whatever. But when the Spirit of God is poured out, the awakening will erupt across the land. In fact, when I say that, I can see ripples now breaking out across this land. I don't, I don't care if anybody else can see it. It may be the cloud the size of a man's hand, but I declare to you a great awakening has already erupted across this land. And it's about to break open, wide open, and the devil is... That's one of the reasons he's so upset and fearful. Hell is on alert. You know that sound, you know what I mean. There's a red alert in hell. The saints of God are awakening. Oh, goodness is good. Okay, verse 7, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. In other words, the mountains that we face shall be brought down by the Spirit of the living God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. The things that stood in our way are about to become molehills, the mountains. And then the last thing in verse 10, And then the Lord of hosts has sent... Oh, no, verse 9. Speaking about Zerubbabel, 
have laid the foundation of the temple, my hand, his hands shall finish it. And then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? And then the plumb line is in the hand of Zerubbabel. That just tells me that God's going to demonstrate those who he has placed his hand upon in this hour. And it's going to be proven that God has sent them. There's going to be a great dividing between those who went from those who were sent. And they didn't despise the day of small beginnings. They embraced the insignificance, the forgetfulness, the treachery, whatever it is. They embraced it at the cost of gaining it all. Does that make sense? Now, that's you. Okay, I want to pray. And Don, you come on up. You got, look, it's only 1122. You have plenty of time. Okay. You have plenty of time. But I wanted to release that for the year. Then after, we're going to do baptisms. But I want to just seal this word. Lord, thank you. Seal the word. We're going into 2020 with vision. God's vision. And we're going to ride the wave as a congregation, as individuals, as families. Some people have moved here, and they don't know. They have no idea why they've moved here. Well, join the crowd. This is the year they follow the lamb wherever he goes. You don't know, always know which way to go. You just know his voice. So I thank you that we hear your voice, everyone in this room. And there's a fresh download of the Spirit to do the will of God. And I thank you this time next year. We're going to be amazed at the goodness of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'm Haley's dad. <laughs> oh, I feel uh, quite blessed to be here today. Uh, I think my first order of business for myself is to say thank you. Uh, I went through some health challenges uh, this past year that many of you know about, and you were praying for me. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for your prayers. Uh, there are times in our lives when prayer just seems to keep our head just above the water. And uh, you kept our head above the water, along with many others, our families and, and many others. And I want to uh, just say thank you so much for your prayer. And also I'd like to say thank you for receiving my daughter into this congregation and, and, my, and my son in grace. <laughs> Not my son-in-law, but my son in grace, right, brother? Thank you for receiving them. You know, Jesus said, uh, if you receive me, you receive the Father. Well, I know that's a little play on things, but I feel received because you received uh, those that have been with me. Uh, this past year, uh, I found myself in some places that I'd never been before, uh, the hospital. Uh, I had been blessed uh, in most of my journey with what I might call Iron Man health. And uh, 
Then about this time last year, everything in my uh, journey, as far as physically, just fell apart. And uh, I ended up in the hospital with doctors and uh, infusion centers and things like that. And I, uh, you know, when I was going to one of the infusion centers uh, that I had to, to go to, Sherry and I were walking in there and we said, kind of to ourselves, we don't belong here. And I know that's a truth, but I felt like the Lord spoke back to me and said, so are you saying everybody else does? And I said, no, Lord. No, Lord. Uh, no, everybody else doesn't uh, belong here either. And so I got to see some things that I'd never seen in my life and uh, got to encourage some people that needed uh to hear words of encouragement, and I got some words of encouragement from them. You know, there's a, uh, there's a process uh, that people that deal with horses and colts and things know about, and it's called imprinting. And it's where you just handle a colt, uh, you know, and just until they're just so easy to touch that when they grow up, you know, they're just like a pet almost. And I kind of felt that way about my journey. I felt like I was being imprinted. Uh, I was being handled by doctors and nurses and all kinds of things I'd never experienced in my life. But God was using them to imprint me with some truths in my journey. And I think one of the primary things that the Lord did for me was uh, help me regain an eternal perspective. You know, to... Paul said to live is Christ, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And, you know, it's kind of easy to quote that, but when we're uh, passing through the valley of the shadow, uh, we find out there's a reality to the valley of the shadow. And it's not a fun place to be, but we can learn so much there in the valley of the shadow. And I think uh, this year might be a year for us to regain an eternal perspective in our lives. Uh, you know, I know we're kingdom people and we're marching, uh, but we have to keep in mind uh, that uh, for us to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Uh, we have a reward in heaven. So we, uh, one of the songs that kind of ministered to us during this season, and this is just my personal story I'm telling you a little bit. I, I want to minister to you on your promises and mine for this year. But uh, you remember the old Rich Mullins song, We're Not As Strong As We Think We Are? Well, that's one of the things we discovered in this year, Sherry and I, that we're not as strong as we think we are. Uh, we need the Lord's help. And uh, without him, we're in trouble. We are certainly in trouble. And when we pass through the valley of the shadow, the scripture uh, says that we're to fear no evil. And uh, I think fear is one of those things that we've had, all of us have probably had such an opportunity to grab a hold of this past year. Uh, as we've passed through our own valleys and our own places, we've had the opportunity to, you know, engage fear. But uh, the Lord is bigger. The Lord is bigger and we trust in him. You are with me, Lord. You comfort me, Lord. And I will fear no evil. We sang a little bit about fearing 
no more fear this morning. I thought that was interesting. But one of those things that happens when we pass through these valleys of the shadow is I think we resolve not to, not to lose our change. And uh, I, I don't want to go on in life and just say, oh, blow off uh, 2019. No, that was a year of change. And uh, it, I was changed in that. So thank you, Lord. <clears throat> you know, the anointing we carry <clears throat> is more about the things we pass through than anything we can import. Does that make sense? <laughs> the, the anointing that we carry is, is the places we pass through. And I know we like to import the anointing, but it really comes out of the oil of the things we pass through. And uh, so our anointing is increasing. And the scripture says uh, that Joseph's confession, uh, as he named his son Ephraim, was God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And that happens to us. We can be made fruitful in that land. As, as we come upon this year, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of... Uh, what's the word, customary, to make resolutions. But I don't really want to talk to you about your resolutions this morning because sometimes our resolutions engage more the legalism that it takes to uh, subdue our flesh. Uh, what I want to talk to you this morning about is your promise. What, what's, your, what's your promise from the Lord? You know, we, we may not have a lot of promises in our life but they're very, very significant if they came from the Lord. And I, I want to encourage you this morning to start to engage uh, your promises again. Start to think about the promise that you received from the Lord that made all the difference in your life. And what the Lord has spoken to you recently. One of the great joys of being a prophetic people is the fact that we believe the Lord can speak to us on our journey. You know, that, that we, we believe we can receive that living word into our life and receive a promise from the Lord. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that, that uh, try to steal our promise. I, I, had, uh, I had been a, a part of something that this ministry did, so I, I knew a little bit about Larry Stocksteel. You probably know Larry from, he's... We're Louisiana boys, so we kind of know what goes on in Louisiana sometimes. But Larry was a uh, pretty good friend and supporter of Reinhard Bonnke. And, uh, and he said one time when he was young in his ministry, he was sitting down talking to Reinhardt. And, and uh, he was telling Reinhardt all about some political situations that were going on in the church and in ministry and, you know, across the world and and he looked at Reinhardt and he said, uh, he said, well, what do you think? And he said, Reinhardt looked at him with those steely eyes and said, a blood-washed Africa. A blood-washed Africa. What was he saying? He was saying, I'm not getting caught up in all that. I have a promise. And my promise is a blood-washed Africa. And, and I want to stimulate in you this morning, you've got a promise. You've got a promise. It, you may not see it because you, you haven't been in the place of contemplation, but you have a promise from the Lord. 
And I, I believe you're to secure that promise this year. Start to look into that promise this year, you know. Uh, you know, the road of uh, prophetic people uh, is not always easy. Uh, you know, I, I love the old statement that Ray Hughes said years ago. He said, you know, uh, the first 10 years the church criticizes the new music and the next 10 years they do it. And, you know, we've all heard that, but it's so much like that when you're pioneering. It seems like Sherry used to have quite a few dreams of us on gravel roads, and I was like, Lord, please let us off the gravel road. But, you know, that's what pioneering is all about. It's all about building. That's what kingdom's all about. You know, in a way, kingdom is forever pioneering. You know, it's, uh, there's always going to be room for criticism uh, for the pioneers. But the pioneers are the ones that always have to strip down to their promise to be able to get where they're going. You know, and that's, that's who I believe you are. One of the most important things to the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the people that we all remember in the scripture was their promise. Their promise was the thing that meant so much to them. That was the thing they held on to was their promise. Your promise can take you places that your resolutions will never be willing to go. Hold on to your promise. You know, King Saul had a promise, but he lost it. And he resolved to just chase after David. In fact, the scripture actually tells us that he sought him every day. His whole heart was after seeking after his promise that he thought was stolen from him. Fixed on the lost promise. But thank you, Lord, we're under grace. We can recover our promise, those things that maybe we feel like we've walked away from. You know, there are always things that are going to try to undermine our promise. Those things will always be around to try to steal and undermine. Sherry Lynn and I are in the process of, you know, selling our home, so we've got our home up for sale. But we have had more trouble with squirrels and moles in our yard than ever before. And uh, I believe it's a prophetic picture. Uh, you know, we feel like we have a promise with that house and the sale of that house. But, but that's what the underminer does. The underminer tries to destroy and undermine your promise and, and just eat away at that promise that you've been given from the Lord. Uh, but uh, prophetic people can take joy in holding on to that specific promise that they have from the Lord. A promise from God uh, is, is about his character not ours. Uh, a promise is only good as the one making it, you know. And uh, in Hebrews 6.13, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Thank God we have a promise. And we have a promiser that can stand behind the promise that he's given us. You know, there's... Uh, this is on the uh, Jewish calendar. We've entered the, the Hebrew month of Tibet. And uh, 
and you know, with each month in the Jewish calendar, you get you get a tribe. You know, you get a son that represents a tribe. And uh, you know, I kind of like. I'm not dogmatic about it, but I kind of like engaging that because it gives us a different way to think. You know, sometimes we can get so locked into the way that we think that we just need something to kind of shift us. You know, when you get a tribe each month, it gives you some way to think, you know, a uh, little difference. But Dan uh, was the, is the tribe for this month. And uh, Dan means, uh, you know, vindication, uh, judgment or vindication. And, uh, but Dan uh, lost their promise. Uh, they're a tribe that got assigned a piece of land and uh, they were resisted by the Amorites and then, of course, later the Philistines, but they got resisted by them and, and instead of taking that piece of property that was right uh, pretty close to Benjamin and, and along the Mediterranean, uh, they were so tormented by the enemies that they, it kept them in the hills all the time. They couldn't come down to the fruitful plain. And so what do they do? They move themselves up north. And if you look at, at maps, uh, you know, of the tribal maps, you'll see that Dan had that portion next to the sea, but they moved themselves to the northernmost point, to a land that was easy to take, to a people that were at peace. And they went in there and just basically massacred, massacred them and took over that land. And if you remember, uh, your, your history a little bit, you'll know that Jeroboam set up one of the golden calves in Dan in the north, and, and he set up, you know, the other golden calf at Bethel in the south just to keep the people from going on down uh, to the temple where they should have gone. So, uh, so what is, what's Dan telling us? Dan is telling us don't leave your inheritance. The inheritance that God has given you is worth fighting for. And there will be enemies in the land, and there will be people uh, standing against you and structures that will stand against you, uh, but don't, uh, don't leave your inheritance. Stay with your inheritance. We receive a promise by faith. Uh, Galatians 3.14 tells us, and... Uh, So don't move from your assigned place. Don't move from your inheritance. Don't blame others for the delays in receiving your promise. You know, Rachel uh, told Jacob, she said, Jacob, you know, give me children. What's the big problem here? And he said to her, am I in the place of God who has withheld children from you? And, uh, you know, she gave uh, Bela her maid to uh, Jacob, and they had a son named Dan. And, uh, you know, the way that we decide our promise is supposed to go is not always the way God wants it to go. You know, we can see what we've done as vindication, but uh, in God, uh, that doesn't really speak faith. And so uh, I, I want to encourage you this morning to stay with your promise. Don't blame others for the delay in your promise. And, you know, you, you, can, you have to wait on your promise. Uh, David had quite an adventure waiting on his promise. 
But that's a part of what happens in our journey is, is we're processed through that waiting time. David would not have been the king that he was had he gone straight to the throne. He was processed by Saul's resistance to him. So wait on your promise and walk it out. If we choose our own way, can we truly say we're vindicated? Uh, I, I don't think so. You know, that's our own heart and our own, our own process. Is obedience attached to our promise? Sure it is. Sure, there's obedience to tell. You know, Jesus told them what? Stay here in Jerusalem and wait for the promise from on high. So there is obedience attached to our promise that we've been given from the Lord. Can your promise be connected to another person? I think in many ways it can. You know, husbands and wives that, that, that have that covenant together and become so close in their journey they many times feel like their promise is together. You know, it's, it's not a promise that's separating them. It's a promise that's bringing them forth together. And, uh, you know, was, was David's promise uh, connected to Jonathan? You know, I, I think in many ways it was. Uh, you know, and, and I've questioned that whole uh, relationship sometimes, but, you know, Jonathan didn't die with his promise, he died with his obligation. Uh, he felt obligated to his father and he died with Saul. But uh, he had a promise. And uh, I, think, I think sometimes we need to see our promise even past uh, our obligation, what we feel is our obligation, because sometimes our obligation is flesh. And, and see the promise that the Lord has given us. Will you be able to find someone to speak into your promise? I think one of the people that I'm most impressed with in Scripture that, that spoke into someone's promise was Abigail. Do y'all remember that story? I mean, if there was ever a, a person in Scripture that to me is just was an amazing reinforcement to someone's promise, it was Abigail. I'd like to read just a little portion of what she told David. Uh, you remember that story, I think, where you know, her husband was Nabal, and he refused to give David uh, any kind of offering from David's protection of his uh, livestock in the wilderness. And David was angry, and he went to take revenge uh, on that household. But Abigail, the wife of Nabal, met him. And this is what she spoke over David. She said, please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord. Your God and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. How would you like to have somebody speaking that over you? Over your promise. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel that this will be no grief to you nor offense of heart to my Lord either that you have shed blood without cause 
or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, remember your maidservant. Then David said to Abigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. So I really believe, excuse me, we need to attach to people who will speak into our problems. We don't need the negativity flowing that keeps us separated from our promise. And, you know, get with people that will speak into your promise. They'll speak life into you for the coming year. You know, I, I, think, I think this next year is the culmination of, of the things that we've been doing right. You know, when you do things right long enough, when your heart is toward the Lord long enough, even with the mistakes that we make, that, that, that builds something. That builds a momentum that brings uh, the Lord's presence. So uh, praise God. Praise the Lord. Does the enemy uh, try to undermine your promise? We spoke about that a little bit earlier. Yes, he does. Remember Laban's relationship with, with Jacob, you know, his father, his father-in-law with Jacob. Wow. What an underminer uh, to keep Jacob in the place that he wanted him to be. Your fruitfulness in your promised land depends on how deep you let your roots grow into your promise. Your fruitfulness in the land is measured by how deep you let your roots go into your promise. What do I mean by that? I mean, sometimes we just get a promise from the Lord. Oh, oh yeah, another promise. Oh, another prophetic word. Oh. But if your roots go deep, into your promise, it makes a difference. It's significant when you allow your roots to grow deep into your promise. It changes things. Even in secular life, it changes things. You know, we, uh, we're from Texas, and uh, the, the Houston Texans uh, are one of the teams, you know, in our area. And uh, most of you probably heard of J.J. Watt. Well, uh, you know, J.J. Uh, has... He has let his roots go so deep, and I, I don't know anything about J.J.'s Christianity, but he's let his roots go so deep into Houston and into that community that he's got promises, you know. And uh, the same thing kind of has happened with, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, he moved down to Louisiana. And, uh, you know, he let his roots go deep into the uh, Cajun culture and uh, got renamed uh, Joe Burrow, E-A-U-X. And, uh, you know, family got down there, and, and look what a difference it made. And, that, and that's just a secular kind of picture. But if you let your roots go deep into your promise, things change. Things change. And sometimes we just move too fast away from that kind of stuff. We, we just, you know, we get busy, we get in a hurry, and we move past our promise looking for something else. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. And I believe you could substitute in there whose promise is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, 
nor will cease from yielding fruit. Wow. So there's a promise there that if we stay with our promise and our hope in the Lord, that we can establish some roots that run deep. And, and we'll be like trees planted by the waters. You know, if you have, a, you have dream life and you have a lot of trees in them, a lot of times trees represent people in dreams. Trees planted by the water. So understand your promise. Get out of false expectations. Sometimes it's hard to separate that. But when we get healthy roots down and we're willing to endure for our promise, then our expectations get regulated into the right place. Sometimes that takes some stamina to get to that place. We have promises. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That's in John 12, 26. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 4, 19. I go to prepare a place for you and if I do, I'll come again to receive you. That's that eternal perspective. John 14, 2. So today, that's been my heart to you is to reestablish you and your roots deep into your promise where you can look at whatever is uh, trying to engage you to draw you away from your promise and you can say as Reinhardt did a blood washed Africa you can say the Lord will give you a phrase that you can say over your promise because your promise is the thing that holds you in that place with God that's significant. Hope is in your promise. As we uh, contemplate our promises, uh, I've asked my wife Sherry to come. Where are you, Sherry Ann? Uh, come, there she is. Come on up. We were discussing some things uh, about my message, and I just felt like the Lord gave her kind of a closing word. So we're going to call her my closer. Uh, for this morning, if that's all right. Uh, Good word, honey. Um, I too want to say thank you for all your prayers for for us. It it really did bring us through. Uh, I, as we were talking about promises, driving. Um, through the Christmas holidays, I feel like I received a revelation from the Lord that said, um, when you go through trauma, you offer a sacrifice. When you offer a sacrifice, the promise comes. So whenever you're going through a situation, if you will build an altar and worship God in the midst of it, then a promise will come to you. We see that with Noah. He went through the trauma of the flood. The first thing he did was build an altar, and then a promise came. We see that with Abraham and the trauma of offering up his son when he went up the mountain to give him as a sacrifice. God provided a sacrifice, and then a promise came. So if you're not even sure what your promise is, I know uh, I've been serving the Lord since a little girl, and I was thinking, what is my promise? Do I have a promise that I'm standing on, holding on to and claiming? 
And I really had to get along with the Lord to see what that promise looked like or what it was. So I want to tell you that you can get a hold of a promise like Don has ministered this morning. But the way to see it or hear it clearly is the sacrifice of praise to bring that before the Lord. So I would just like to bless you this morning and, and pray over you. Would you stand? And uh, let's just ask God right now. Father, we ask you to... Uh, show us and remind us what kind of promise was spoken to us. Maybe uh, in our childhood, maybe when we were teens, maybe just as recent as yesterday. But I ask you, Holy Spirit, to highlight the promise to the heart and the life of every individual. And then I speak to you, all trauma be gone. In Jesus' name, all trauma be washed away from the past. In the name of Jesus, step out of the ark, step out of the flood, step out of the places of fear and confusion. Build you an altar once again and come before the Lord and worship Him and praise Him, not for what He has done, but for who He is. And as you begin to worship your God for who he is, no expectations, no false ideas, uh, no false truths, but worship him for who he is, then you will hear that promise again. It will be rebirthed in you in Jesus' name. And we declare over you a year of promise. We declare over you a year of understanding who you are, what your purpose is, what direction you're supposed to go in. We release over you the power of the Holy Ghost to hold on to that promise that no one will steal it from you. No one will take it away from you. No one will chop the roots of your tree, but you will go deep in Jesus' name. You will go deep by the rivers of the living water in the name of Jesus. And though the winds come and the false accusations come, you will not break in Jesus' name. And you will stand erected and say, but I have a promise. I have a promise and I will hold on to it until I see it come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Amen. You know, your promise can be so simple. I had, uh, actually Haley was with me, but I went to, uh, in Texas, you have to change out your license plate every so often. I think it's maybe every 10 years or something. But we went to get uh, my, her, her something in my new license plate. And when I got that new license plate, I, I, before I even got it, I said, I, I, believe, I believe the Lord's going to speak to me out of this license plate. And the Lord did speak to me. But the interesting thing is, is that when I was in the hospital and going through all those things, there were, none of the resolutions I'd made came up. None of all my uh, promises to serve God came up. What came up was that promise that I had from that plate. You may think that's silly, but I saw that plate over and over again, and it was telling me that I still had more things to do that I still had more ministry, more places to press into. Your promise can be simple. Sherry and I got a promise years ago that, that you know, we would be fruitful if our children. Blessed are you, Anna, for your children are with you, and great is the fruit of them. 
And that was our promise many years ago, and that's what we've held on to by speaking into the next generation. And as we speak into the next generation, their fruitfulness will be a blessing to us. Amen. So it's not complicated. It uh, may, may take a little bit of quiet time, a little bit of meditation, just, just to see that promise again or to get that promise from the Lord. But you have one, and it's secure in him. Amen. Uh, Brother David, would you, would you come? I, I just want to say I, I so appreciate Brother David. He doesn't even know it, but uh, for years I got the Morning Star Journal, and I read some of your articles, Brother, that you had posted in the Morning Star Journal and was blessed by those. We, when we first met at Haley's wedding, we figured out we were both from Louisiana, and that was kind of a blessing too. And, yes. You know, and then we were both Tiger fans, yes. and that was even more of a blessing. And so, yes. Amen. Yes. So God's good. I, I think, uh, I think, I'll let Brother David tell you for sure, but I, I think we would like to give those of you that an opportunity that just really feel like that trauma is on your promise uh, to come up for prayer if you'd like prayer. And uh, then I think Brother David has some ideas about what he wants to do. Thank you, Don and Sherry. This is wonderful. We received the word.